Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Jesse Granger filling in for Ian Mendez, who's on vacation this week, and I'm joined by Sean McIndoo. We'll be spending the next hour or so talking about tonight's upcoming huge Game 5 in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll also be diving into some mailbag questions and a fantastic voicemail that you guys left us. Eh, (laughs) We'll see. We'll see about that. It's an interesting voicemail. It I'll is, say that. It Fantastic, interesting. It's worth it's worth hearing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing good. I'm uh I'm doing good. Yeah. What, what did you do with your night off last night? No hockey. Uh yeah, it's 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 strange. We've gone so long without without having a, a day without hockey. It it almost the felt like what am I going to do with myself? so good that the the way that I've been raving about this, the way that it's been like just every second night for almost every series, there was a couple in round two where they, you know, they had to, to squeeze a bit. Um, but it's just been every second night. It's been great. Uh, and now, you know, obviously this isn't a schedule thing. You just, when you get us, you get this late in one sweep throws you off. I did see something where somebody said that if, if the lightning and Rangers go the distance, that the Stanley Cup final isn't going to start until the Saturday. Yeah, I saw 12 days off for Colorado. Yeah, if which would be because game seven would be Monday, uh, I believe, or maybe Tuesday. I think there may be a gap. And then, oh boy, that's a lot of days off, man. That's right. I mean, I know you got to do the media day and you got to do right. The, that's the, what it know, is. Yeah. Because I mean, if we didn't, yeah, if we didn't, we get all those huge scoops out of media right. players. Yeah, I, the players I remember say so much. In in 2017-2018, when Vegas made the Cup final, they had they they almost swept Winnipeg. They beat them four one. They they won four <laughs> games in a row. And the other series was Tampa Washington, and it went seven. And it was a long time, especially with that media day where they're all like kind of in the arena. And like you said, it's great great content. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. I just look. It's Tuesday. Tuesday would be game seven. So we have. Game five tonight, obviously, we have game six guaranteed on Saturday, two days off before game seven, and then potentially four days. I guess they want to get that Saturday game, and and you don't want to do a two-day right. two turnaround, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it slows it down. There was, there, you know, briefly where it looked like both series could be short series. It was kind of like, oh man, we might get this done early. We might get, we might get out of here a week early, but that's okay. Hey, you know what? I, I'd rather have this series go seven, and it looks like it's headed that way. Cause, For uh, sure. Yeah, this has been, so, this has been good. So I'd like to, I, I, on yesterday's show with, with Sarah and Rob, I, I kind of posed this question to those guys. I'd like to get your, question, your answer on this. So for me, there's two ways to view this series. I think it's, it'd be easy to say, okay, the home team still hasn't lost a game, and the Rangers took care of hockey at home, and then it went to mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, and they did the same thing, and now the Rangers have two of the last three at home in New York and should be feeling great, but there's also the side that says, maybe this isn't, maybe this hasn't been a home team series. Maybe Tampa Bay just figured this out, and yep. if that's the case, the Rangers don't feel great. Um, which, which side, and I guess it doesn't have to be one or the other, but which way would you lean of those two kind of feelings on how this series is going? I, I do think there's there's an element where if you're the Rangers, you're you, you're saying exactly what you said. It's a two out of three series. We got two at home. 
we haven't lost at home since what the first first game against uh, against Pittsburgh. So we should be we should be feeling pretty good. Uh, the the thing that concerns me, and you know, the thing that, that or that maybe doesn't get me that excited if I'm a Rangers fan is you just went through this with Carolina, right? Carolina two series in a row. They win at home, they lose on the road, super predictable, and then you get to game seven and, oops, uh, the Rangers go in and, and take care of it, and it turns out that doesn't matter. Here, here's what concerns me is it's not even so much Tampa figures it out. It's the rest versus rust thing. It's this idea that Tampa just had the long layoff, Rangers had the quick turnaround, and it, it's, it's a cliche. It certainly doesn't always hold true, but usually when we look at that, and we even said this going into the series, the the team that's that's coming off the long series hits the ground running games one maybe game two uh, you're in good shape and the team that's had the layoff is rusty and then as the series goes it starts to flip because now fatigue becomes a factor the, and you know the Rangers remember they played two seven game series so they really haven't had any breaks for you know for a month um, is this a case where now the Lightning have shaken off the rust now the Lightning are are you know, hitting, hitting on, on in all gears, they're as relatively rested as you can be as relatively healthy in the sense of the guys, at least they're putting in the lineup. And meanwhile, the Rangers are starting to wear down. You could look at it that way. And that, that would worry me a little bit. And the other thing that worries me if I'm a Rangers fan is, um, they're such a great special teams team. We all know, you know, it's, it's the power play and the goaltending and, the, the pattern in this playoffs and in most playoffs is as the series goes on, the refs call fewer and fewer penalties. They, they early on, they'll call a few to set the tone, send the message, whatever you want to say. But then as they get going, suddenly the penalties disappear. And you look at the Rangers last game, no power plays and no offense at all until the end of the game. Then they get a power play and boom, you know, within seconds they've scored a goal, but by that point it's too late. And, you know, if I'm the Rangers, if I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm going, I want, you know, I want you know, let it be fair. Let let both teams get, but I want both teams having four power plays, and I feel right. pretty good. If it's both teams are going to get one power play, I don't feel as good, and and that has kind of been the 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 tendency as the series goes on. So I'm worried about the fatigue factor. Obviously, Tampa's got to be fatigued too. They played so much hockey the last two years, but I'm a little bit worried that at least in the short term, Tampa's had a break. They've shaken the rust off. Uh, we'll see, but that's the beauty of. The playoffs tonight, the Rangers go out, play a great game, win. We all dump everything I just said right in the trash. All those narratives are gone, and we're right, right. back to, you know, the, the champs are on the ropes. Right, just like when it was 2 nothing, and everyone was like, and the, the, the Lightning's run is finally over, and now there it is. are two games Yeah, later, like when, like when they the finally no lost, finally lost two games in a row. Like, that was like the Russian is cut. Like, you know, the, yep. okay, this is now it. And look, I, the Rangers go into Tampa – and they take they take a two nothing lead, and you're sitting there going, "Boy, this is this is over." And what it reminded me of is is the first round against Pittsburgh, where the Penguins had the three one series lead and got out to the the two nothing I think it was lead in game yep. five. And I'm because on my other uh, podcast we we actually because of scheduling ended up recording the show that night as that game was on. So. We're there, record it, going, oh, well, Rangers are done. Uh, you know, how do you think Pittsburgh is going to do it? We're talking about it. And then in the background, we're like, oh, it's 2-1. Wait, now it's 2-2. <laughs> Sidney Crosby just left. Hold on. And, you know, the Rangers haven't looked back since. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, I guess we see where it goes. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with you in terms of, I feel like, and, and John Cooper even mentioned, he said, I think that our our legs are really going to show in games maybe five, six, and seven more than they did in these first few games. The the part that you brought up that I hadn't really considered that I think is a major part of why this series changed is the fact that Tampa's been able to keep it at five on five. And um, we've heard their players after every game of this series, I feel like, saying we have to keep this at five on five. Like it's, it's a pretty clear directive that that's the goal. And they're so good at five on five. My question is, how do you, you mentioned the Rangers, they want more penalties I feel like you've got to have the puck more like you're not Mm -hmm. going to draw penalties if you don't have the puck. And in that, especially in game four, it just felt like the Rangers could not hold on to the puck for any sustained time at all. It felt like the moment they get it, they're just trying to get to the red line and they've got a 
fight just to get to the red line to dump it in. And then Tampa handles their four check with ease and they're, they break out of the zone. No, there's no scrums in the corners. There's nothing. It's like, it just feels like the Rangers, I realize they've got to score. Like they're, they're going to do their damage on the power play, but you have to have the puck to earn power plays. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to it. That's, and that's a great point. And, and full credit to Tampa for that, especially when Tampa very clearly is very much focused on the, the discipline aspect. They do need to have the puck. I'm going to give you another answer, though, of how can the Rangers get some power plays? And I hate that I'm saying this. What I'm about to say makes no sense. But every hockey fan is going to hear me say it, and they're going to nod, and they're going to go, yeah, you know what? Yeah. If the Rangers want more power plays, you know what they, maybe they need to do? Take more penalties. They need to go out there and c- take a few minors because we all know even though it shouldn't be that way, the refs will look at that and go, oh, we've given the two minors to the Rangers. Well, we owe them two, and they're right. going to be looking for things. And, and the reason that I, I bring this up, especially Tampa's been such a fascinating team to me because for a long time, if you looked at the numbers, uh, you know, we know that if you look at numbers across the league, power plays taken and power plays given tend to balance out. They tend to, you know, it ends up, you graph it out, it ends up being a straight line. It shouldn't be. There's no reason for that. We don't see that in other sports. You know, in football, if one team commits 10 holding penalties and the other one doesn't, then that's just, we we say that that first team was undisciplined and slaughtered. In hockey, we expect it to be even, and it is. Tampa's always been at the top of that chart as far as teams that drew a lot of penalties, but also took a lot of penalties. And Tampa, not in this series, but against virtually any other opponent, with all the skill they have, they're a team that is happy to play on special teams. And there was a lot of people who looked at that and went, is this a strategy? Is this Tampa going out there going, yeah, we'll take penalties because we know we're going to get power plays in return and we're going to be better on the power play than you are because look at all these guys that we got. And it almost feels like in this series and a little bit in the Toronto series, because Toronto was also a team that in the regular season had an excellent power play, that Tampa can almost like flip that switch and go, okay, guys, we're going into no penalties mode and we're not going to commit any penalties, and we know that means we're not going to get any power plays either because it's always balanced out. But we're okay with that because we've got an edge at five on five and we're happy to play that way. I I don't know if it's, you know, I'm not suggesting it's that explicit like in terms of their strategy, but I think this is a team that knows that uh, that power, power plays balance out and they do seem to be able to shift from those two modes of lots of special teams, not so much, uh, based on the opponent. And again, that would be, Bad news for the Rangers, and it's again, it's such a stupid thing to say. But if you want more power plays, maybe send Ryan Reeves out, go have him, uh, you know, punch a guy in the head, and that'll, you know, that first period power play that hopefully you kill off ends up being a second period power play because they got to balance it out. The the first thing I thought when you said they need p- to take some penalties was Ryan Reeves. This is your moment. Like yeah, <laughs> this is Ryan Reeves just like stood up with like purpose. There's there's right. a, I don't know what the Ryan Reeves bat signal looks like, but it's. Uh, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, well, I guess this is why you get the guy. It's, it's an interesting conversation, especially like the way you, you talked about the way Tampa has been a team that is fine playing on special teams. And they've kind of, it feels like they've intentionally gone away from that. When I watch these games, it, this is just kind of where my mind went when you were talking about that. When I watch these games, it feels unfair. Because to me, it feels like Tampa Bay is the best team in hockey. They're the most talented team in hockey. And now there's a really talented team in the West that's going to be waiting for a Mm -hmm. month for this cup final to start. But to me, I'm watching Tampa Bay and it's like, not only are they the most talented, they've got the best goalie, they've got a Norris defenseman, they've got ridiculous talent up front, even without point. And to me, they have figured the playoffs out. It just seems like this team understands how to win in the playoffs and how to how how going down two nothing in New York isn't that big of a deal, and there was no stress in any of their voices or in like John like players are always going to say the right things, but you can see in their mannerisms and the way they speak, you can see the stress usually. And with this team, there was none of it. It just felt like this team has it figured out. And to me, you can, like having the most talent and having this figured out better than any other team in the tournament just feels unfair. How is anyone going to beat this team? As a Leafs fan, that a lot of that resonates. You know, you can say the right things, but when push comes right. to shove, and and you're right. I mean, this is I 
on on one level, I hate the narrative that you have to know how to win. Right. You have to lose to learn how to win because I mean that's uh, the Rangers are a great counterexample of that. Like they haven't this version of the team hasn't lost a bunch and they're out here winning. Uh, I think we've leaned on that too heavily, but there is something to it. And uh, yeah, the fact that they have been through this uh, certainly does seem to to help them. And I guess uh, shout out to John Tortorella who is taking credit for this. Uh, we saw it today. There, you know, he's he's the one saying, "Yeah, it was us beating them in 2019 that." Uh, that changed their whole approach. So uh, good for him, I guess. Um, For me, it's not so much the losing though. Like mm -hmm. I don't, when I, when I say Tampa has it figured out to me, it's not, they learned their lessons by getting swept by Columbus. I think it's more just, they've been, how many minutes of playoff hockey has this team played in the last two Mm -hmm. years? It's like they, I don't know. I think at some point the, the playoffs become just this is just hockey, whereas I think for the Rangers right now, it's not that like it's it's bigger to them. It's because how would it not be? You're on you're this amazingly young team that wasn't expected to be here. You're on this miracle run. I don't know. I feel like when the Rangers lose two games back to back in Tampa, there's a little more. It just feels different, whereas Tampa this they've just been doing nothing but playing playoff hockey. And to be honest, the last two regular seasons have felt like they've just kind of punted on it. Like, let's just get to the playoffs. It feels like this team has just been doing nothing but playoff hockey for three years. And it, I don't know. It just seems like they handle it better. And I, I don't necessarily think it's because they learned their lessons losing to Columbus and all that. I just think they've just been doing this for so much. It's just become normal. We've literally never seen a team play this much playoff hockey in the two years, because remember that first cup was in September because yeah, everything was pushed back. So, I mean, they, they've literally in the last two calendar years have played, you know, almost three full postseasons now. Um, and you're right. I mean, I think we can throw out the regular season with these guys. It's pretty clear that, you know, they don't, uh, that, you know, it, it, it's not that they're, it's not that they don't care, but they, they know how to find an extra gear or save an extra gear for the playoffs. Uh, and look, it, a lot of this is John Cooper. They, they are a fantastically well-coached team. Uh, clearly, the, the leadership that they've got in the group is is very good. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's that's that's the the beauty of winning a cup. Every other team is trying to say, oh, this free agent, I mean, maybe he's not very good, but he's got a ring. We need a ring in the room. We need rings right. in the room to be... You win a Stanley Cup, hey, hey, look around, man. There's 20 guys with rings, uh, you know, or in Tampa's case, it, it's 17 or 18. And then they bring in a couple guys who don't have them. And those guys kind of become something that you can feed off of. Okay, we got to go get one for, for these guys now. Um, they're just they're just an amazingly well-built team. They are, uh, they're well-coached, ton of skill. I mean, you just up and down, uh, you know, uh, maybe... On some level, people are sick of hearing about how great these guys are, but until somebody beats them, that's what you're going to hear. And to their credit, the Rangers have already done something nobody else could do, which is beat them twice in a row. Uh, and they've they've kind of let them up off the mat a little bit. They uh, when it when it seemed like maybe they were ready to finish them, um, but they still got a puncher's chance at this. Absolutely right. And and to me, um, coming into the series, and I still think if it's going to come down to can Chesterkin steal it like i like i think he's got to outplay mm-hmm. vasilevsky in in order for the rangers to win whereas i don't necessarily think vasilevsky has to outplay shesterkin for tampa to win um i think the goaltending has been solid from both sides i think game two vasilevsky wasn't great but i think aside from that both goalies have have kind of lived up to what we expected them to be in this series um has has any player on either side like jumped out to you as like i like this guy, I'm, I'm surprised he's having such a great series. Um, it, not that I'm surprised, uh, but you know, especially on New York side, Adam Fox, as you would expect, has been fantastic. We're, we're all jaws on the floor at what Kale McCarr's been doing in Colorado. Um, it's it's one of the greatest performances by a defenseman in you know that in the playoffs I can ever remember up there with Eric Carlson a few years ago, and and uh, you know maybe a few others. But Adam Fox has been real good too, and then Mika Zibanejad, and this is also as me as an Ottawa guy. Um, you know, you, you're just sitting there, boy. I, th- that trade doesn't get mentioned enough as far as terrible trades of the the, the the last few years, the cap era, further back if you want. Like, I mean, that's getting that should be getting into like the you know Doug Gilmore territory for awful <laughs> trades that people talk about. 
um, because, I mean, this guy is just a, a monster and he seems to get better in these sorts of games. And, uh, and you know, he's just, he's, he's always coming through. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been excellent. You would expect that. But again, you never know until you get a team. Like, the Rangers haven't had this deep run before. Um, you don't necessarily know, uh, you know, who's, who's going to do it. Zibanejad's been around long enough that he has been, you know, been part of some of this, uh, some wins for the Rangers. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see. I mean, I, I, as a Rangers fan, you don't want to hear this at all because you, you want to win the Stanley Cup this year. But what's happened so far positions them so well. Right. For the for the future. I mean, this this really is now a team that that um, you know, I, I and I would never say, well, hey, even if they lose, it's fine. They're it's still a great run because you're you're gonna be crushed if, if you get this close and you lose as a fan and as a player. But uh they're in good shape. They're right. in really good shape because they're doing all this without those two lottery picks, Lafrenia and Kako doing much. I mean, they've right. they've got the kids line. It, it's that's been a good line. It's been a good third line, but uh, you know, if you had gone back a year ago and said next year Rangers Final Four, given the champs all they can handle, you'd probably think, oh, Lafreniere must break through, Kako must break through. They they become stars, and that's what. And it hasn't happened yet. But if you still buy in that it will, holy smokes, how good is this team going to be in one or two or three years? I know. I'm always so hesitant to to do this in hockey. I feel like more than other sports, it's so hard to predict just because. It's like an example, the, the Winnipeg Jets. I brought up the, the Golden Knights beating them 4-1 in the conference final. It felt like that team that year yes. when they went to the conference final and they like the, the ages of those players, it felt like Hellebuck was, was coming into his own. It felt like, man, the, the, the Jets goalie, are going to be the class of the West for the next seven years. And they've been just terrible since like, like they, they, they haven't done yeah. anything. So, but, but I totally agree with you that the Rangers are they're ahead of of schedule um mm-hmm. like like you said these these star players the, the ones that are supposed to be carrying them deep are third line players right now and still finding their footing in in the NHL and and still have a ton of room to grow um i i'm glad you brought up Zabanejad because to me he's the one that's like he's carrying this team artemi panarin has not been the 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 playmaker that they like he hasn't been the game breaker that that you would think would carry this team as far it's been mm-hmm. Zabanajet like he's been the one and and he's the veteran guy like they've they've got these young kids who are who are all kind of just learning as they go and like you said it's a year a year ahead of schedule but to me Zabanajad's the one that's dragging this team offensively him and Fox I'm just so impressed with Zibanejad, and and I, I I don't know something about his style of play. I just really like watching him play hockey. Yeah, two two hundred foot guy, um, and you know this this guy was he, he hasn't come out of nowhere. He was a six overall pick, right? Uh, by an Ottawa team that's pretty good at identifying guys and and pretty good at developing them. And then uh, you trade know after away. a few years they trade him away for for Derek Brassard, and and they cough up a second round pick. Uh, as as part of that, and yes, you know, if you're the Senators, they went on that run that year. Like Rassard was part of that, so I mean, they they got something out of it. But holy smokes, I, I mean, uh, what a what a player they they let get away from them, and and great move by the the Rangers in in making that move. And yeah, I mean, to get back to Shosturkin, I mean, th- this is that th- that's the great uh, maybe equalizer isn't the the word, but. We can we can break down everything. Special teams, this line versus that line, this matchup versus that matchup. It is there is a non-zero chance that Igor Sturkin just says, you know what, we're not losing. Right. And Tampa, you can have all you you can have the best coach and you can have the best this and that, whatever. I'm not getting scored on tonight. So enjoy having 50 shots. Uh none of them are getting past me, and we're gonna win. And if I mean, if he has one of those games, there's there's really not much you can do about it. Now the flip side is Andre Vasilevsky is absolutely capable of those games too, and he seems to have them much more uh, later in series when when they're uh, uh, you know especially we we know his numbers in an elimination game and we're not there yet. But um, yeah, either goalie could just kind of on his own be like, you know what? Nope, forget all the analysis. I'm just I'm just going to be unbeatable tonight, and and that's it. That's going to decide it. We haven't gotten one of those games from Shesterkin, and I want it so badly because yep. he we we know he's capable. Even in the playoffs, like he's been very good in these playoffs, and he's had some games where he's made some amazing saves. But he doesn't have that 
signature, like that game that he just that he's winning this game and it doesn't matter what you guys do. Like, I feel like he's he's hasn't played poorly. He's played well. He's the reason mm-hmm. they're in the conference final, but he hasn't had that game. And, and we, I, I'm hoping in these next three, we get one from him. Yep, he's he has he has been excellent. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's given up at the, at least two goals in what seven games in a row now. Um, which again, like that, that's not a knock on him. He's he's playing more than well enough to win. But the scary thing is, he you know he's got that next level, and you know that's that's terrifying if you're a Tampa. I know as a Leafs fan against Tampa, that whole series. For the first six games, they were scoring a lot on Andre Vasilevsky. And you're just sitting there going, when is that game going to arrive? And of course, it ends up being game seven. <laughs> right. um, sure enough. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, you probably feel that same way. It's nice that Tampa maybe gets to feel that way because that's how teams that play Tampa always end up feeling. You're like, when is when is Vasilevsky going to really flip the switch? And he's he's been very good the last couple of games, too. So, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't had the epic goaltending battle, which is good because just two goalies is is not a fun game. You know, like we all, yeah, Hasek and Broder, quadruple overtime, that one nothing game. Yeah, name me one thing that happened in that game. You can't because the game sucked. It was it, other than the fact that the two goalies. As long as there are chances, as the goalie, I have to speak up and say, oh, here as long God. as there are okay. chances both ways. Yes, if it's, sorry. okay, look, I always say this. If the defense dominates the game, it sucks. If the okay. goalies dominate the game, it doesn't suck. There has to be chances. If you don't allow chances and it's a 0-0 game because nobody can get in front of the net, yes, the game is terrible. But if these goalies are making awesome saves back and forth on shots that could have been goals, then to me, that's just as good as a 6-5 call. Colorado Edmonton game. Okay. We've let the goal down. We got, <laughs> I got a goalie here. I got a goalie as the producer. I got Ian. Ian has some goaltending experience. We'll, try, we'll get him to talk about that someday, but uh, surrounded I, by I just, goalies. I'm surrounded by goalies. You weirdos. I can't wait till we make the nets half an inch bigger and screw up all your precious angles and your muscle memory that you've spent your whole life learning. I can't, every time I suggest that and some goalie comes in my mentions, like, but that's going to ruin everything. All our training. I'm like, i sold. You've absolutely convinced <laughs> that's, me. That's the whole reason you're doing it. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. Uh, but yes, I, I yes, I will grant your point. Lots of chances. Spectacular goaltending. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it anytime. Um, and, and these are two. I, I would consider these two of the more entertaining goalies, too. Like there's just kind of like a, uh, you know, Vasilevsky sometimes gets into that mode that I hate where it's like he's so perfect on everything. That, you know, he makes it, it look easy. Yeah, and he makes it look easy. And like even the chances don't feel like chances. You, you know, you get a, like a clean look from the top of the circle and you're like, well, that's not going in. He's in the perfect right. spot. There's going to be no rebound. He's so big. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, he often he is also, you know, you go, you go, oh, chances. You're only fun when you screw up. The only time that like, goaltending is fun is when you either you give the puck away behind the net or you pick <laughs> up a rebound or something and then you have to actually athletically move around and that's what made Hasek so fun because he was in that mode permanently like it's right the national anthem and he's doing snow angels in the crease and you're like what are you right. doing dude stand up and he's like that's not how i roll but uh <laughs> yeah all right goalies this this was great we are going to wrap this segment up and we're going to come back look we just talked about for i don't know 20 minutes about how great tampa bay is so i'm sure the rangers fans listening to this uh have something to say uh, we're going to talk I about bet those they rangers do. fans and uh, we're all, we're also going to talk about Sean and I dominating the athletics pick'em contest when we get back. Uh, so don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Sean, like I mentioned, 
Uh, Rangers fans feeling a little disrespected. I think the team has kind of taken on that mentality as well. Um, <laughs> do do you think? So clearly, they're the Cinderella team left um, in the playoffs. With, See, don't even say that. Tampa. You'll but get someone why? mad at you just for saying that. Because, all right, it, I I I had a tweet a few days ago where I made an observation, and I didn't say any specific team. I just said, does it not feel like? This year, many fan bases are really adamant that they are being disrespected, that their team isn't getting enough credit. And it was amazing to me because as soon as I tweeted that, I just got all these replies from people going like, just say Rangers fans. We know you're talking about Rangers fans. And I kind of was. There have been others, certainly Blues fans. We heard you for a long time. Uh, You you mentioned... uh, Capitals fans, uh, you know, had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because everybody was just handing the series to the Panthers. And, you know, I'm used to fans being being mad that you didn't pick their team or whatever, but it just feels like so many fan bases are like, everyone's against us. But yeah, Rangers fans especially. And and the reason I said with the Cinderella thing is it it feels like, you know, on the one hand, they want to be the great Cinderella team, but if you suggest they're a Cinderella team, they're going like, wait a second, hold on, we got home ice advantage against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, we're not Cinderella, we're not... You know, and they're not the Montreal Canadiens of last year, some miracle team. But it it kind of does feel like, I mean, the the Avalanche are stacked, the Lightning are the champs, the Oilers have the two best players in the world, arguably. So it's like we're so used to there being the Cinderella team that we look at the Rangers and go, that's the team. Um, but I feel like a lot of Rangers fans will say, hey, look at the look at the standings, look at this, look at that. We absolutely deserve to be here. And they do. Nobody's suggesting they don't deserve it. Um but I, I'm not completely convinced that uh, some of these, uh, you know, ah, the league doesn't want us to win. Yeah, you're right, man. The, in the first year of its new U.S. deal, the league hates that its biggest American market is making it that far. You're right, man. You got it. They, right. they, they really want a Carolina to win instead. Absolutely. Sure. Right. The tens of millions of hockey fans in, in New York City. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, the Rangers winning a Stanley Cup has never, uh, you know, certainly never resulted in a massive boom uh, in uh, in NHL marketing and exposure and attention. So uh, I'm sure we wouldn't want to do that again. Look, the, the Rangers are fun. They're great. Um, you know, we do talk about other teams, but and the thing that people get get mad about is, you know, when we do our daily picks every day, if people haven't seen it. There's a half dozen writers at The Athletic, and we each make our pick for each game. Straight up. No spreads, no you know, no odds or anything like that. Just who's going to win. And fans just get furious anytime there's anything close to Like, if it's not a 3-3 split, right? they get so upset. And, and they need to understand, like, we don't get together, the six of us, and go, like, we all agree the Rangers have no chance, right? Okay, put it down for 6 nothing. There could be six of us that all think the Lightning are just like slight favorites. And then all six of us pick right. the Lightning and Rangers fans are just absolutely furious about it. Um, That's I, the part that people don't get, I think. I think like when, yeah. when you see when you go on there and you look and you see all of our names and it's got the logo of the team we picked next to our name and you see six Lightning logos in a row in your mind, you think, oh, my God, they're giving the Rangers no chance. But it, but in actuality, all six of us could have said, you know what? This is like a 51%, 49% game right here. Yeah. Like it's almost a coin toss, but I'm going to take the lightning. And if all six of us do that, it, then the, the, the perception of it is that we're giving that team no chance. The, you, you mentioned Capitals fans. The best example of that was Florida, Washington, because yeah. we, we, we all picked Florida in game one. And obviously, because they were the favorite, they were the president's trophy and they lost game one. So then we all immediately picked Florida because in our in our minds, we're like, well, they're not going to lose both games to start the series. And then they did. And then it's like, well, they're not going to fall down three nothing. And we just kept picking Florida and, yeah. and Capitals fans were, were not happy at all. But I will say, if there are two people on there that you do not want to um, criticize the picks, it's me and Sean for sure, right? Yeah, the Thursday show is absolutely running away with this one. Uh, maybe running away is a little bit. We're, we, we're what? We're, uh, we're not getting tied. caught. I don't, you, I don't think we can be caught. So it's yeah. so we're six, right now. We're we, six games up on bronze medal. So yes, this is, we, uh, we both have a record not. of, I think, 50 and 31 or 49 yeah. and 31. Which, to be honest, so like living in Vegas, I I know how difficult it is to pick games. Um, it is, 
I'm I am shocked that we've done as well as we have. 18 games over 500, 49 and 31 is a much better record yep. than I would have expected to have going and, into and this. Again, Very obviously, fortunate. We're not picking against a spread. There's right. no line. So, you know, in theory, you could say, well, you should you know, you could just pick the favorite every time, but it's well, the playoffs. Colorado's 12 and 2. So I think I'm 12 yeah. and 2 picking Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. So uh you know, it, but it, it's, it's not easy. Uh, five of the six of us are over 500. And I see, I don't know, were you part of the group last year? No, because okay. I, I don't know if you like the golden Knights are usually, I'm usually pretty busy this time of year. And this year mm, I had yeah, nothing heard, to do. So, okay. Yeah. I think, I think we did know that. It, so you may not know this, but we did this last year and I won. Oh. So I'm, I'm kind of Tampa here, and you're like the you know the Rangers. I'm the Rangers. Out of nowhere, first Feeling year, disrespected, you know, and and you're in there. I don't think you're the underdog. I think you know if anything, the uh, um, the Vegas guy would have been one of the favorites, and and uh, um, but yeah, for myself, I'm I'm going for back to back. I've got the trophy over there. You get a trophy. You get oh, there, there's there's an actual like a physical trophy, little eight dollar trophy. I've got it sitting over on my mantle, and I want two of them. I want to, you know, I want to have uh, bookends there. But uh, you're you're giving me a hell of a ride. It was actually last year. I ran away with it so much that when I got to the final, I could just pick the team that was losing the final and ride it out because I knew like I I, I just kept picking Montreal, and I knew if they won, I would I would get another win. And if they lost, the series was going to end sooner, and and I would so I just coasted. It was it wasn't a challenge, and now, you know, you're, maybe I had it too easy because you're you're giving me a hell of a run here. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, people definitely need to to jump in and follow that because uh, uh, yeah, we we hate your team. We're uh, picking against them all the time, and and I and the other thing I got to say, like if for Rangers fans, Blues fans, Capitals fans, it's got to be so frustrating because. I've seen a lot of times where we pick six nothing, five one, something like that, one sided for a team, and all these people flood into the comments and tell us that we're idiots and tell us that we're morons and all this stuff. And then our pick comes true and their team loses. And I guess there's like some sort of internet outage or something that gets caused <laughs> by that because none of them comment anymore. They, you know, they just they all disappear and they don't come back. So it's it's that's gotta be rough. I'm sure you were meaning to come back to the comments and apologize. But just for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe our servers are down or something. I, I guess that must be it. There's a direct correlation with upset, the, the fans that are upset in the mentions and those teams no longer playing in the playoffs. Um, I guess except for the Rangers, because uh, I'm yep. looking at it now and we both, we, both of us have picked the Lightning tonight um, in yep. game five. So, Which is no another one, one we're another 5-1, we're picking the yep. Lightning. And again, like, look, great team. They've got the momentum and everything, but... Going back, like it, it really does feel like this is the game that tilts the series, right? Like it's for sure. Uh, and uh, and look, part of it when you're picking these games is you're you're kind of thinking ahead to what you think is going to happen in the series. I bet you, whatever team wins tonight, a lot of us are going to pick the other team for Game Six just because we're like, wow, this series is going to go seven. You know, like right. Yeah. Uh, so that'll probably be uh, you know we'll probably see that, and then you get to Game Seven, and who knows? But yeah, you and I both have the same pick tonight, so no separation. But, I know. Uh, I tried to know, go lone wolf in that game for Edmonton. I was the only person that picked the Oilers, I, and I looked yeah. like a genius for a while. And yep. then that was I suddenly, suddenly that was almost game over. I've had a couple of those. I've had a couple of, of I like that term, lone wolf picks that came through. Uh, but I've also had a couple, and, uh, and and the thing that's bugging me is I I picked the Leafs in Game Seven against the Lightning, and normally I pick against the Leafs. Not all the time. It's not like I you know I don't do it on purpose. I just I go with my gut and my gut usually tells me not good things are going to happen with the Leafs. And I talk myself into it. I'm like, this is it. They're going to slay the dragon. If I lose trophy number two, because I picked the Leafs, then you know what? That'll be fully deserved. I will have nobody to blame but myself. <laughs> so if you lose by one pick, that's the one. That's, that's the, the one, one that you're Absolutely. going back to. One hundred percent. That is the pick. And uh, yeah, it's that, that one's going to hurt a lot. All right, let's dive into the mailbag. And we're going to start with a very special voicemail by um, an unnamed Red Wings fan, I assume in Detroit, um, that is soon to be best friends with Sean. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna first, first, let's play the voicemail for the listeners to hear, and then we'll get your thoughts on it, Sean. Uh, I've been a lifelong fan of the Detroit Red Wings, and I think it's time to pair it back what I heard about several foreign-born players in Detroit back in the 90s. And that is, Canadians just don't care about winning the Stanley Cup. 
I mean, if you're a young Canadian player in the NHL, you've never seen a Canadian team do it. Maybe some of the old guys have, but they don't have any real good memory of it. The Golden Goal, World Juniors, World Championships, Women's Olympic Hockey, that's what the Stanley Cup is for Canadians. But a Canadian will say, we have the most players in the NHL. Several Canadians win the Cup every year. But not for Canada, they don't. It's been America's Cup for 30 years now. Every year we hear Canadian hockey Twitter tell us how important it is to win a cup for Canada and break the curse, and then all the Canadian players seem to have the seven teams up north on their 10-team no-trade clause. Want to win a cup for Canada, Canadians? Become a UFA and take less than $11 million and eat up a ton of cap space to play for Canadian team. Demand a trade to Winnipeg for once. Until then, we'll start up some chance of 1993, 1990, 1989, or 1967 for you. And crickets for the other three. Happy Canada Elimination Day, boys. Comes around every spring. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, you know what? First of all, A-plus voicemail. That was, that's excellent. That He has raised the bar for future voicemails. Uh, that, uh, that, that, was, that was excellent. Um, I don't, you explain this to me because I, I get very mixed messaging on this. We all know about the Canadian Stanley Cup drought. In fact, I've got a big piece dropping tomorrow on that and what's going on and what I, what I think is happening and what, and what I think is causing that. So people can, can look for that. Thank you for giving me a chance to, to plug it. Um, but every, every time of year when this comes up, I, I hear from some Americans who seem to really want to spike the football. They seem to love this. And then I hear from other Americans who go, none of us care about this. You know, none of it, whatever, this, this is a Canadian thing. So which is it? Like, is, is this a point of pride in America that you guys keep winning Stanley Cups with Canadian players, but that you guys keep doing this? Or is this like just us Canadians yelling at each other? Yeah, so I think I'm the wrong person to ask this. Um, I don't know if I've had this discussion on this podcast. It was either today or maybe on the Wednesday show a while back. But I am very odd in terms of my rooting interests. Um, I am Team North America. So... My especially my friends that like soccer, they get the most upset about this because if the U.S. is playing Mexico in soccer, that's obviously massive rivalry. Yep. I will always root for the U.S. I went to the, the Gold Cup final here in Vegas. I had an American flag. I root over the U.S. But if the U.S. is eliminated in the World Cup, say, for example, I will root for Mexico over Spain, Russia, whatever, okay. because that's Team North America. We got to stick together. And the mm-hmm. same thing for hockey. I will always root for USA over Canada. But wow. If the USA has been eliminated and it's the the world championships, whatever, mm-hmm. I would rather Canada win than Sweden or Russia or name the country because to me, we got to stick together. We're Team North America. I fully realize that that is not how most people <laughs> view it yeah. at all. I don't so, think so. And uh, so because of and that I, mentality, I, and I feel like I have that, a hard certainly time. up here, that's not how it works internationally right, I know. at all. So, uh, uh, okay. So, you know, I, I will say this. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, obviously it's still the best. Canada is still producing the best players. Nobody is going to, is, is legitimately sitting there scoring like, oh yeah, Canada's fallen off. Nathan McKinnon just led his team and Kel McCarr just led their team to the Stanley cup over Connor McDavid having one of the greatest seasons ever. You look at Tampa, Steven Stamkos, uh, you know, on down the list, I, I will give our, our, Listener, some credit, uh, though, he does make a fair point, and, and the point he's alluding to in there about some of the stuff that got said about the Red Wings and, and about European players in general, that was definitely a thing in the 90s, was, you know, these European players were coming over for, in some cases, the first time from the Eastern Bloc, and, and even, you know, some of the, like, the Sweden and Finland, there hadn't been a ton, uh, and a lot of people said, you know what, those guys want to win the Stanley Cup, but Canadians need to win the Stanley Cup. Canadians have grown up dreaming of winning the Stanley Cup. It's an obsession. And so if you can have all the skill in the world from that Russian that you brought over, but when he goes into the corner with the Canadian with the Stanley Cup on the line, the Canadian's coming out with the puck every time because he needs it and the European just wants it. And, and that was a way of thinking right up until the Red Wings won. And even even after that, I mean, that that, that kind of, there, there was, you know, some some ugly pieces of that that, that certainly stuck around. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't mind a little bit of football spiking there. He's kind of taken that because a lot of that came from Canada was the Don Cherry way of thinking and, you know, flipping that around on us. Um, I'm okay with it, but, uh, you know, I, I guess my, my parting shot would be, uh, you know, check back 
the next Olympics or World Cup, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk about uh, what kind how countries are doing here, and uh, you know I'll I'll have Jesse on my side because Canada will be playing for gold, and the U.S. will have been out in the quarterfinals again. In, unless the U.S. is is on the other side, but yes, <laughs> I'm not too America. worried. Let's team, just say Team North America for the win. Yeah. Um. All right. So that that was great. We need more voicemails. Um. From that unnamed Red Wings fan. Um. We're gonna go to another. I love question that the from, file name our producer put on it is Wings fan chooses violence like that. Yeah, he yeah. did. That's good. he did. He, he enjoy, did choose violence. Enjoy watching Colorado win the Stanley Cup. By the way, my my Red Wings <laughs> fan friend. <laughs> awesome. And now we're gonna go to a question from Jesse. Uh, not me. Someone else named Jesse is asking this question. Um, I did not file a question for our own show. And Jesse asks, what are your thoughts on the Mark Messier Leadership Award in particular that Mark just picks a player every year that he thinks is a good leader and that they get the award? It would not bother me so much if the NFL didn't hold it up like the other awards, but an award where one person just decides arbitrarily seems like a farce to me. John? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. It's a ridiculous award. It's a ridiculous the way it works. It's ridiculous the way that this... Uh, Lee continues to build this myth that like Mark Messier was the only leader who's, you know, the, the, um, I know there's a lot of, you, you want to get some voicemails, talk about what a great leader Mark Messier is and, uh, watch the phone light up with <laughs> Vancouver area codes. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that we need a guy who missed the playoffs the last seven years of his career, uh, giving us, uh, uh, leadership, uh, awards. It, the thing that bugs me about this is look, how can I put this without sounding like a cynical jerk? The NHL has a lot of good guy awards, right? right. Like we have the Lady Bings for the good guy on the ice. We have the Masterton. We have the King Clancy. We have, yep. the, you know, the Willie O'Ree, which is not, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. But we've got that. Like, we get it, man. Like some hockey players are very committed and they're good dudes and everything. Like, but I don't think half the award show needs to be like, he's a good dude awards right and uh yeah this one is just kind of it's kind of silly uh yeah. i don't mind that we're wreck i mean you look down the list of guys who won i don't mind recognizing most of them are deserving right yeah, yeah they're, most mean, of them are deserving but uh it's it's uh we we're making fun of this on yesterday's show like it's it's weird that there's never been a repeat winner like we should start talking about the curse of mark messier that all of these great leaders, as soon as Messier hands them a trophy, they stop being leaders. Like they're suddenly can't lead. <laughs> Sidney Crosby hasn't led in like ten years. Like, come on, Sid. Like, what? Uh, you know what? What happened? So, um, I I don't know. There there are lots of great leaders. I don't. I I'd love to. Like, has Mark Messier ever met Anze Kopitar? Like, have they? Right. Like, so this would be yeah. My my problem with it is. Where is leadership? Like, where do you need to be to know who the best leaders are? You need to be on NHL benches and you need to be in NHL locker rooms, right? Mm -hmm. or, or maybe even in, in NHL practices. But you have to be in those environments to even have an idea of who the best leader is. Um, I, I always say this with like the sportsmanship awards, like a Lady Bing Award. To me, like, I, trust me, as a PHWA member, I love having the 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 privilege to vote on these awards and and I take it super seriously but at the same time I'm sitting here and I'm thinking okay who would be able to determine the best sportsmanship would it be a bunch of writers who watch the game in the press box or what if we just let the officials vote on it yeah um, I feel like we'd get a much better representation of yep. who the best sportsmanship players are if well, you just ask the referees we, we just so, gave Austin Matthews tenth place in the Lady Bing vote and he got <laughs> suspended for cross checking a dude in the face this year so. Right. So so I think that some awards, I feel like the people that determine them should be changed. And I think that Mark Messier, even if like even if you want to argue he's the best leader in NHL history, which there's no quantifiable way to argue that. But if you let's just for the sake of argument, say we have decided he's the best leader ever. He's not in the room. He's not on the bench. He's he has no way of knowing other than just talking to players at, and what they at say least this year. He's like involved in the broadcast a little bit like he's more. Than in previous years where he right. was, you, oh, right, I remember this guy. And, and it's worth noting, and it, it, it hasn't happened in a while, but two, it has happened twice. And this award's only 15 years old. Twice a player has gotten the Mark Messier Leadership Award and then abandoned their team that summer. Matt Sundin in 2008 got the award for refusing to waive his no-trade clause and then saying he wanted to be a Leaf forever and then going to sign Vancouver. And then Daniel Alfredson, 2013, got the Leadership Award the year that he was asked when his team was trailing in the playoffs, can you come back and said, probably not. 
and then bolted for Detroit to go try to win a Stanley Cup. He got the leadership award. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a keep an eye on Anze Kopitar. Right? Don't let him don't let him out of your sight, Kings fans, because yeah. All right. And then we've got one from Jason that says, I was talking with Sean on Twitter and gave him some more context on the eating for the cycle from Milwaukee. And I told him I'd send him an eating challenge from a Diamondbacks game. There was a restaurant owned by Alice Cooper called Coopersburg and had a three pound and 22 inch hot dog called the Big Unit. All right. If you ate, you got it for free. I ate it pregame and got a 110 degree Phoenix and the 110 degree Phoenix heat got to me and I didn't feel good until like the eighth inning and then he attached a photo of yeah, this monster it's hot awful dog. it's awful this is say this is following up on uh last week with uh where we heard from from jason and uh yeah man i guess that 20 year old stomachs are just different because that does not look appetizing like a 22 pound hot dog looks exactly like what you would think and that it's looks just that looks terrible and uh, yeah. so did the, you'd have to pay me to eat that. Yeah. It's absolutely horrific. And so did the so did the uh, the 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 four sausages last time, which by the way had ketchup on them too, which seemed to 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 bother some people as well. But oh. uh, you know, full credit to you. I, I to me, I as a rule of thumb, I stay away from anything that says like if you can eat the whole thing, you get it for free. I'm like, uh, no, no, thank you. I will pay for my food, and I will eat something that's appropriate for human consumption. Like if you're if you're betting me. Like you made it. If you're betting me that I can't eat it, I'm not. I'm not taking that bet. There's no right. winning. There's no winning side of that bet for me. So, uh, yeah, I know. and that's. Ugh. It's like that with the spicy wing challenges too. They're like it's free if you if you eat it all, but it's like yeah, yeah but then I'm miserable. I, I had a friend so once take like one you're of these, making like, me miserable 50 for free. Ounce, fifty ounce steak challenges, and and he was like absolutely convinced he could do it. And he didn't even get halfway through. And I've never seen somebody suffer so much. Like he was just like this guy looked like he wanted to die 45 minutes into this thing. And he still had like this giant plate. It's uh, no thank you on that. I've, uh, I, I've, I've had my share of regrettable meals where I've overindulged, but I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not doing it at a ballpark hot dog yeah. uh, stand. I was on a doing a radio spot at a this is like maybe five years ago and they had a they they brought us like everyone who was on the show a, a plate of like the spiciest wings they had and they wanted us to eat them who who could eat them the fastest I literally just pushed my I'm I'm not good with spicy food I didn't even attempt the guy who was sitting next to me tried to eat his so fast that he actually like splashed the the sauce up into his eye. <laughs> ends up oh, running boy. ends up running into the bathroom he spent the next hour. With his eye underneath the the faucet in the bathroom oh, sink of, of this bar, I, that's I, I went to a uh, uh, like a thing last summer that had like a, one of these chili eating contests where it's like they're eating like the Carolina Reapers and all this right. other stuff, and it it ended up it started with there's like six or eight guys and it got down to two and they got all like they kept bringing out spicier and spicier stuff. And they got to the end. They're like, we don't have anything spicier, so we're going to overtime, which is we're just going to give you a bucket, and you're going to keep eating. I've never seen two people suffer more. Like, one guy was turning bright. Have you ever seen a guy with head-to-toe tattoos turn bright red under the tattoos? It's a weird look. And the other guy was, like, his face was unleashing every liquid it could to, like, try to, like, you know, send him the message (laughs) that this is not, like... I've seen lots of competitions in my life and I've seen lots of people win. I've never seen anybody look more miserable winning. Like at least you run a marathon or something like you've got that little bit of a runner's high or something. There was literally one of the guys, he was dressed as a clown, which right there was, you know, and he ends up like he tapped out halfway through and he went up and he was like on a hill and just laying there. By his, and like, so you we were watching the competition and then we're turning our heads and we're looking at this like clown on a hill or like, should somebody be helping him? Like, is that he hasn't moved in ten minutes? Is that uh, I? I couldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do it, man. I there's forget it. I'm not doing it. If I ha- if I had to choose, I would rather do one where I'm eating a lot of food over spicy food. Yeah, maybe that's just because I'm a wuss when it comes to spice. But I I feel like you're gonna be more miserable with All right. the spice. All right, we're doing right. a poutine eating competition at the draft coming up. I'm in for that. I'm so pumped. Poutine, for, for smoked Montreal. meat, and crappy little hot dogs that are overrated. 
Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, Golden Knights fans are convinced those hot dogs are the solution to the power play problem. I ate the first one ever, and they scored, they broke like a 23 okay. scoreless streak on the power play. And now every time the Golden Knights get on a big, important power play, I get 40 tweets saying, <laughs> Jesse, eat hot dogs in the press box. Take it for the All team. Right. <laughs> let's let's get to the this week in hockey history before we close this thing out. Um, on this day in 1970, Buffalo and Vancouver spun the wheel to see who would get the first overall pick in the upcoming draft. Sean, take me through this. Have uh, have a happy wheel day. This is I've I've written about this before. It was a, played a big part in my book. Yeah, 1970. It's the uh, the the Sabers and the Canucks are the two new teams, and they have to decide who's going to get the first overall pick in the draft. There's no lottery back then, and back then the expansion teams are just getting the first pick. But there's two of them. Got to figure out how it's going to happen, and it and it matters a lot because that year's draft has a guy named Gilbert Perrault as the consensus top pick, and then after that, it's you know it, it, it's it's a bunch of guys. So the league has got these two teams. You would think flip a coin. Right? Flip a coin. When you have to decide between two things, that's what you do. You flip a coin. No. For once in their existence, the NHL decides to get creative, put on a bit of a show, and they decide they're going to spin one of these big, like, uh, rule- well, not even a roulette wheel, like the, the raffle wheels. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. problem number one, they don't have a wheel. So they have to go and get one. Problem number two, when they do get one, it's got an odd number of spaces. <laughs> it has like 13 spaces on it. So they have to go, okay. They try to figure out that, you know, all right, so... Uh, uh, one team gets uh, one through six, you know, Vancouver gets one through six, Buffalo gets eight through 13. And if it's a seven, we're going to spin again. Okay. They get, gather a bunch of people in a room. They spin the wheel. Problem number three, the, they, they spin the wheel and the, uh, president at the time looks at the wheel and he says, okay, the wheel has come up on the number one Vancouver wins and Vancouver, you know, all the Vancouver guys, they're, they're high fiving, they're shaking hands and everything. And, and people listening to this are going, Vancouver didn't draft Gilbert Perot. Well, what happened was, as they're celebrating, Con Smythe, who's the GM of the Sabres, looks at the wheel and goes, that didn't land on one. That landed on 11. It was like a one on top of a one. <laughs> oh, and this oh, old oh. president has... So he goes up and points that out, and they go, oops, we made a mistake. Buffalo actually wins. And Vancouver, like, you know, the franchise is like six minutes old, and they're already getting, like, stuff <laughs> painfully yanked away from them. And that's how Gilbert Perot became... Uh, a Buffalo Sabre, and it's part of why he wore number 11 his entire time. Hall of Famer, the first superstar in Buffalo history. And uh, presumably, that, that's, man, a few years ago when we had that uh, the, that weird lottery draft where everybody had equal odds, that was the time we should have broke out the wheel again. We could have done it. And, and you know, Gary Bettman hopefully would wear his glasses or something and be able to properly read it. <laughs> It's one of my favorite all-time goofy NHL stories. And it's one of those things where whenever you're like, why don't they ever do things in a creative way? Maybe that's why. Because they would find a way to screw it up creatively. <laughs> that's amazing. I feel like that was an omen for the next uh, 50 years for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, but not um, for the Sabres somehow. But uh, right, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. I don't know how that works. All right. And then a little more recently, uh, this is June 7th, 2018, Stanley Cup final. Um, I was at this. Um, I was not at the, the wheel spinning in 1970. But um, Washington Capitals beat the Vegas Golden Knights for a 4-1 to series win, their first Stanley Cup title in franchise history. Um, that season was amazing. And as much fun as it was to watch the Golden Knights do what they did, I was so uh, honored, privileged to be there to watch Ovechkin lift the cup. Um, he yep. was an absolute psychopath with that cup. I'll never forget when he came walking into the room after um, he just would not let the cup go. So they're all on the ice. And then, you know, the media's allowed down there and we're out there and he just after everyone had gotten their turn with the cup, they gave it to, to Ovechkin and he just wouldn't let it go. And then they're like, all right, you got to go into the media room. And he's like, they're, they're trying to get him to go in the locker room. And he's like, no, I'm not going to the locker room. I'm not letting go of the cup. He comes walking into the media room, still wearing his ice skates um, and holding the Stanley cup. He comes walking in and they're like, he goes to the stairs to walk up to the podium. And they're like, Alex, you can't bring your skates up there. So he's like, all right, no problem. Sets the cup down on the table next to him, sits down, and he's just unlacing his skates in the media room in front of all of us, takes them off, goes up, moves the cup over closer to him because he didn't want it to be more than a couple feet away from him while he answered the questions. It was just, I'll never forget that moment. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty cool. Imagine if he'd grown up in Canada and actually wanted to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, and to bring that story full circle, uh, I, I just wrote a story the other day. Um, 
with Barry Trotz holding that Stanley Cup in Vegas um, might might be coming full circle. I've been hearing whispers that, that Trotz has been in Vegas, possibly um, talking to the Golden Knights. We don't know if they're going to hire him, but he's definitely among their uh, among their candidates, top candidates. It's it's going to be interesting to see if Barry Trotz wants to try to win another Stanley mm-hmm. Cup in Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights hiring a coach who had delivered a heartbreaking playoff loss to them. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> feel like they've done that before. That'd be a hell of a be a hell of a pick. Very on brand for this team. It would be. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sean. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, it was fun filling in for Ian. I always love coming on the Thursday show. Um, we'll talk to you next week. And again, you can always email us your questions at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Or even better, you can leave a voicemail at 845-445-8459. Uh, please leave us voicemails. Um, if you aren't an Athletic subscriber, join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $1 a month for the first six months. You can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just $0.99 cents a month after that.